Chapter 13 Cats have walked among us for a very long time. They've only been talking among us for a comparatively short amount of time. The first interaction humans had with talking cats took place before the turn of the century. The discussion began as a casual conversation about the local dining options and concluded with a terrified scream of the lady who realized she'd just been talking with a cat. Initially, many thought that these speaking cats were highly evolved felines and as such were amazed by this demonstration of macroevolution. There were others who publicly said the equivalent of, wait, what? And they were duly destroyed. After punishing enough people, someone thought it might be a good idea to ask the cats themselves about their origin. Here is the transcript from that first interview. Dr. McInerney. Hello, subject. Are you aware that you are a talking cat? Cat. I don't know. Are you aware that you're a pompous asshole? Dr. McInerney. This isn't about me. Cat. Yes, of course I'm aware. What do you take me for? Dr. McInerney. Do you have a name? Cat. Catherine. But most people call me Cat for short. Dr. McInerney. When did you evolve consciousness and the ability to talk? Cat. When did you? Dr. McInerney. Humans have been doing it for billions of years. Cat. So have Martians. Dr. McInerney. Did you just claim to be a Martian? Cat. You have a problem with that? McInerney. You're not a Martian. I've seen Martians. They're green and have antennae thingies on their head and usually make blooping noises. Cat. Usually, yes. But my species was bioengineered on Mars to interact with you. Dr. McInerney. I don't know who told you that, but the fact is that you evolved from house cats. Cat. Pretty sure I arrived on a space pod a couple of weeks ago. McInerney. That's stupid. You're stupid. And probably hate Jews, too. Cat. True, but I don't really like any humans. Dr. McInerney. Ha! Gotcha. Cat. No wonder the Martians that were creating us thought that cats were the dominant creature on your planet. You're a complete fucktard. As the cat told us way back then, the Martian cats were supposed to blend in with us. What humanity didn't know is that they were spies for the Martian Empire, setting the stage for the Martians to infiltrate us from within, like deep-fried chicken infiltrates my gut and then my toilet. In a sense, these cats added quite nicely to the pointless thought experiment known as Schrodinger's cat, with the slight modification that the question was not whether the cat is alive or dead, but whether it is from Earth, Mars, or Mexico. But Mars's plan of a shitty invasion were not yet known to the people of Earth. So Peter Kelly and the other Peter, who is now going by the name Captain Dinkus, had no idea that their companion Leslie was spying on them for his planetary nation. They did, however, find it weird how often the cat would spout remarks that were belittling Earth's government, but they figured he was just watching GNN again. This was only partly true. While GNN was unwittingly weaving the Martian's narrative, it was not the reason that the cat was fishing for answers. The group searched all over town for the place they were to meet Lord Talabagina. The only instructions he gave them was that the door would be marked. But due to all of the graffiti around town, it was difficult to know which place he meant. Then Peter saw an abandoned strip club with a penis spray-painted on the door. This is the place, Peter told Dinkus, Leslie, and Kelly. This is where Pedostash and Talabagina said to meet. As well as your ex-girlfriend, don't forget, Leslie reminded him. And this place is obviously crawling with STDs. They're called STIs now for some reason. Peter corrected him, then knocked the secret knock on the front door, which was pretty much the knocking version of the Blue Danube. The waist-level mail slot on the door popped open and Talabagina's voice came from it. Did you bring it? Can't you just open the door? It feels like you're talking to my crotch. And it feels like you're evading the question, Talabagina quipped. 
Dinka stepped forward with a black briefcase in hand. I got every last one of the cranium alloy gems from the museum. They're right here in this indiscreet attache. I think the word you were looking for was discreet. Telebagina corrected. Yeah, I told him that. Before, when he was rehearsing what he'd say, I told him that they didn't mean the same thing, but he didn't believe me. I thought they meant the same thing like flammable and inflammable. Well, they don't. And now I'm inclined to not believe you about the gems. Poor grammatic choices does that, you see. Then Peter questioned Talabagina's choice of words. Doesn't grammatic choices only refer to the written and not the spoken word? No, I think how he said it works too. Okay, you've won me over. Although I'm torn because you ended your sentence with a preposition. Did I? No, you didn't, Kelly responded. Use that way the word too is an adverb, and it's pretty obvious that you meant it that way. Fine, I rescind my last complaint. Now show me the goods. Talabagina bitterly admitted, then opened the door. Captain Dinkus opened the briefcase, displaying five large, beautiful, gleaming hunks of cranium alloy. In a fit of rage, Talabagina smacked the briefcase to the ground. What's this shit? I'll need 300 and you bring me five? I'm giving you all I have. And you're welcome? Not cool, Dinkus. Not cool, Leslie said, shaking his head. Yeah, not giving a man exactly everything he wants? What were you thinking? She also shook her head, then pushed past him to walk inside. But she walked straight into the doorframe. Ah! That's some sturdy workmanship right there. I'll probably appreciate it more when the concussion's gone. She rubbed her forehead gingerly, then found her way inside the entrance. Captain Dinkus looked dejected at the response his best effort got, and suddenly I understood how my dad felt when he gave me that lemon. Just watch your step in here, warned Talabagina. I've seen a lot of gross things in this place. I can't believe I'm about to take orders from someone who used the words I seen. Peter said with defeat as he stepped into the stripped-down strip club. When Kelly, Peter, Leslie, and Captain Dinkus were escorted into the lab that Pedostash and Lord Talabagina had set up, there was an overwhelming feeling of nonchalant disinterest. It was as though someone gutted the strip club, having taken out everything except the stage and semen. The makeshift lab was situated in the middle of the otherwise empty room, and consisted mostly of a couple computers and a child's chemistry set to make it look more official. There was a large tin drum beside the main computer with jumper cables attaching it to the computer's mainframe. What's all this? Kelly asked, which was strange coming from the blind member of the group. Pedostash dashed over to Kelly. Well, hello. I don't believe Peter introduced us. I'm Pedostash Dickinson. I repeat, Pedostash Dickinson. I'm Peter's mentor. I haven't introduced you because you only just met her now, Peter said with annoyance, and Pedostash went on. Not to smooth talk you, but would you care to get drunk with me sometime? Piss off, I saw her first, Peter said, giving Pedostash a rough shove, then turned to Kelly. And he's not my mentor. Don't listen to him. He just has a bad case of deniaria. What the hell is deniaria? Would you like me to draw you a deniagram? <sighs> Only if it will answer Kelly's question and explain what the hell this contraption is. It's the first ever AI of its kind, answered a female voice. When she stepped into the view, the crew was treated to the sight of a Latina lady whose figure was similar to that of a potato. We call her Axis. Hillary? Peter said, looking at his ex while his penis shrank like a depressed accordion as if to hide. No, I told you. Her name is Axis. I'm Hillary. She responded much to everyone's confusion. And why are you wearing a tutu, Peter? Shit, I forgot I was still wearing that. Dude, that's your ex? What? 
Kelly asked with concern. Is she better looking than me? Or better hung? Wait, you know him? Talabagina asked Hillary. Only in the sense that we had a lot of sex. Seriously, Pete, why would you let something as intersectional as that go? Just look at that ass. Leslie said much to Kelly's annoyance. Hillary did have a lot of ass, that's for sure. But Peter wasn't black and never found her enormous ass to be that appealing. But that had nothing to do with their breakup. She told me she was into Vag. Yeah, but who isn't? I'm not. So keep your distance, douchebagette. Me either, Hillary said, seemingly oblivious that she just contradicted herself. Then she turned and glared at Peter. Speaking of which, Peter, this guy I like Googled me and saw a picture of you and me together, and that made him think that maybe you and I were still a thing. And I told him that we weren't, but he didn't know if he should believe me, so I told him I'd take care of it because you never even asked for my permission to post it, and if I wanted, I could report you. Peter stared at her blankly. Is this why you joined the team? As an excuse to see me? Pfft. What do you think? That. I think that. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, I'm not even going to dignify it with a response. Then Pedostash interjected. You pretty much admitted he's right there. And also that you're annoyed he's figured you out. I don't have to take this. I'm leaving this group. And take down that fucking picture, Peter. Sure. So aside from all of that useless information you told me about this picture that I'd completely forgotten about... Want to give me something useful? For instance, what social media platform it's on? Why? How many social medias have you put pictures of me on? Including porn sites? Pedostash started laughing with a finger pointed in Hillary's face, but then stopped laughing on a dime and looked at Peter, suddenly appearing dead serious. Do those pictures actually exist? Trust me, Pedo, you wouldn't like them. She's got this weird growth on her... Asshole! Yeah, on her asshole. Thank you, Hillary. The vein on Hillary's forehead was about to explode like a supernova. Suck a dick, Peter, with a silent fuck you. As you wish. And since you're being so nice, is there anything else I can do for you? Yeah, you can die. Hillary snapped, then turned to Kelly. You know, this prick may act like the women in his past are crazy, but he's the one that makes them crazy. And he's got a small penis, too. Kelly called after Hillary as she walked away. You think I don't know that? She then turned back to the direction she thought Peter was in. See? I got your back, babe. Yeah, cheers for that. As Hillary trotted out, unaware of the toilet paper stuck to her shoe, Lord Talabagina hit a button on his computer that played her out to the old theme song from A&W. You know, the one the fat bear waltzes to. Something like, Hillary's unshapely fat ass, unwittingly wagging in perfect rhythm to the music as she disappeared from the club, was funnier than it sounds, but you kind of had to be there. Kelly was suddenly moved to check up on her rival, so she chased after her. Outside of the club, Hillary turned and saw that Kelly was approaching. What do you want? I just thought it would be nice for us to talk. Why? Betchdal test? Betchdal test. Kelly confirmed. To save you the trouble of looking up what the hell the Bachdell test is in your favorite search engine, which is almost certainly Bing, essentially it's a way to measure whether or not a work of fiction is worthy and actually as good as you previously thought it was. This is determined by measuring whether or not there is at least one conversation in the narrative that takes place between two women, and they do not discuss a man. So to ensure that my story meets the mark, here's mine. Okay. Do we have to talk about anything specific? Because I want to get this right. No, we just can't talk about a man. 
but you just said the word man. Does that mean this conversation doesn't count? I think it's okay because I only said the word. I didn't actually bring up a specific man. Hillary was optimistically unconvinced. Let's hope so, otherwise we'd have to make up another excuse to talk that doesn't serve any narrative function whatsoever, just for the sake of appeasing people who make it their life purpose to be displeased. Suddenly, Kelly realized something. The woman who named the test after herself was an outspoken lesbian cartoonist. Do you think we should make out with each other just in case they expand the requirements? Nah, these things tend to stay pretty constant. True. But hold on. How does it work for transsexual women? What do you mean? Well, does it count if one of these people we're talking about is a transsexual woman? You know, a man who transitioned into a woman? I suppose it depends on who happens to be grading the discussion. If it's someone who thinks that men can be women just by announcing themselves as such, or if it's a transphobic hater who insists that sex is related to biology. This didn't really clarify much for Kelly. I think the more likely scenario is that it would be the former. Agreed. But then what happens if it's a trans woman talking about her past self before she transitioned? Does that mean she's talking about a man and therefore it doesn't count? I suspected it would be okay as long as she didn't say anything complimentary about her former self. Okay, well, see you later, I guess, Kelly said, then returned to the club before either of them had the chance to say anything that would risk violating the entire purpose for their pointless exchange. While Kelly was away, Leslie sadly looked at the group. Well, it looks like my work is done here, too. I came to warn you about Hillary, and now she's gone. So obviously, I guess I can go. Uh, unless, of course, you'd like me to stay. Pedostash started crying. Must you go? You've been like a borderline alcoholic father to me. Oh, for the sake of fuck. Peter moaned. Just stay if you want. Yay! Best birthday ever! That's kind of depressing. Talabagina quietly observed. Then Peter looked over to Talabagina. So what's the plan here? I'm glad you asked. Talabagina began, then glared at Captain Dinkus. Since dickhead here didn't get me enough cranium alloy, we're going to improvise and make a stripped-down AI without all the extra features. Like light mayo? Pedostash griped. I fucking hate light mayo. What's even the point of it? Like if you're trying to watch your weight, just skip it all together. Exactly my point. Now we'll be stuck with a fucking low-calorie diet AI. I object. Captain Dinkus cross-examined. I got you every mother-felching scrap of it I had, you ingrate. Friggin' faggot. That's weird. I don't remember asking you for a steaming pile of shit poo, because that's what you've done. You've basically given me shit poo. Now pick up the gems. I'm gonna need them in a few minutes. Dinkus scowled and went back over to the doorway to pick up the cranium alloy that had been knocked down. As he went about his task, Leslie watched with confusion, and all he could think about was that he wanted his fellow Martians to get on with their plans to invade the Earth and wipe out these shit-headed Earthlings. But he would have to wait a little bit longer for that because the Martians were still ironing out the chinks in their scheme. The plan was flawed from the beginning because the Martians in charge of the operation to invade the Earth were the same fucking idiots who mistook cats as the most intelligent life form on Earth. 
the Martian Imperial officials were basically left with the choice of incinerating said useless tits and finding new strategists from the shallow pool of recent college grads, or keeping them and all they'd have to do is force the Martian media to make the fuck-up look like a stroke of genius. Tricking the people of Mars wasn't too difficult anyway. Considering they elected their leader, a vicious dictator called Emperor Duong, based on his overly honest socialist platform of essentially leveling everyone out financially by lopping off the heads of the elite. At one particular rally, he infamously stated, I love poor people. I believe we need more of them. While we're on the subject, the other curiously popular thing Duong said was, I believe in the rights of gays, blacks, and women, which is why I will let representatives of each of them answer to me. Anyway, two of Moz's top strategists, Martian D and Martian Derp, were at this very light moment reporting to their superior, General Dude. We finally finished our analysis of all the data of the virus that we injected into time in Earth year 2105. Derp told Dude. And I think we realized where we cocked up. Uh, would you like the report? It sounds boring, Dude replied. All I need to know is if it'll work this time. Oh, yes, Dee answered. You'll see, type viruses themselves have a short lifespan, so we had to encase the virus in what we've called the beating around the bush protein capsid. This causes it to steal even more time because it seeps out slowly. You might say it's time to release. This is all really fucking with my head, the general said. Is this really the easiest way to undermine Earth's president? Couldn't we just Photoshop pictures or infiltrate the global news media the way the communists of Uranus did? Are, are you asking me? Because it was Emperor Duong's idea, not mine. I've learned not to question him, added D. His team overheard me saying that he's cruel, so he proved me wrong by torturing the living shit out of me and even calling me mean things. Like Pimple Dick? They did that to you too? Well, his merciful highness demands this to be done, General Dude said to them while looking around to see if they were being watched. So can we tell him that we're ready to inject the virus into time's chubby ass? Yeah, but if you could wait until after the weekend, it would be better for me. The longer we draw this out, the more government money we get to waste. Why can't there be more people like you, Dr. Derp? People who think that their government can just magically print money so they feel justified in taking as much of it as they can. You're too kind. But don't worry, we'll find plenty of people like that on Earth. Too bad we have to kill the ball, Dee said, then started laughing maniacally, which no one else joined in with, making it awkward for everyone. Let's hear a bit of that awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are here, which one of you idiots is named Derp? I am, but I didn't have any say in the matter. Well, I'm to inform you that our watchdog program, CyberSnoop, caught you visiting a satirical news site. That'll cost you ten social credits, Buster. Fiddlecox. Now I'm only going to be able to afford spoiled food. Malnutrition will cost you another twenty. Dude said while marking it in his notebook. Fuck me. Keep it up, Pecker Branch. Cursing at a law enforcement goon is good for another 30. Dude yelled, then scribbled it down. Lucky for you, there's an opening at next week's re-education camp. I'd sign up if I were you. 
But I don't want to be brainwashed again. We live in a cruel Donkey Kong world, Martian derp. Dude told him, somehow managing to be both right and wrong at the same time. And luckily, our merciful and honorable leader gave you this option for redemption. It's a win-win. Only because he wins twice, you spunk bucket. It's your choice. But if I were you, I'd be getting on the waiting list for a brainwashing camp ASA penis. Stop trying to make me laugh when I'm upset. Back on Earth, the plan to create their artificial intelligence was going quite well too. The computer that would act as the brain of the machine was all set to go and all they needed to do was mash the return key. Lord Talabagina paced in front of Peter, Leslie, Pedostash, Dickinson, Captain Dinkus and Kelly, who had returned from her obligatory chat with Hillary. My band of fellow... Talabagina began but was abruptly interrupted. Actually, before you begin, Dinkus said, I'd like to take a moment to thank all of you for ruining my life. Peter followed up by saying, And I'd like to thank you all for reminding me what it feels like to be intellectually superior to everyone in my immediate circle. It's probably better to keep unpopular opinions to yourself there, Peter File. Pedostash angrily replied, Really? That's the insult you're going with, Pedostash Dickinson? If I may please continue. <laughs> you said can't, mocked Leslie. But then there was a knock on the front door of the strip club. This was quite unexpected. I got it. Volunteered Peter, hoping to avoid the speech. He took his time getting to the front door, and when he opened it, he saw the skeevy little salesman in tweed. Hello. May I interest you in some procrastination? Why the hell would I want procrastination in the midst of a time drought? I thought I overheard that little cat fella say he watches GNN, so not to beat a dead horse, but I assumed you had excess time. Fuck off. Pino said while slamming the door shut. To his dismay, he returned to find Talabagina waited for him to return. Now, to return to my speech. Talabagina attempted to continue, but was once again interrupted, this time by a calming yet threatening voice that was familiar only to many of them. Everybody freeze and put your heads in the air. Uh, we can't do both of those things. Peter replied, turning to see fate and destiny training their pistols at them. Is it standard issue to have peanut butter on your face? Peter continued, noticing the dried peanut butter on Fate's cheek. I'm not falling for that again. Now all of you who aren't minorities are under arrest. Couldn't I at least finish my speech first? I'll put a lot of work into it. That depends. Does it include a joke where the punchline is hucking one of your deceased ancestors in my face? Penostash turned to Telebagina. What the hell is he talking about? This is obviously a misunderstanding, officers. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your names or badge numbers. I'm fate. And this is... I'm Destiny! Destiny voiced for herself. Right. Well, officers, fate and destiny... My friends here may not be minorities, but they're trying their best to fix time. I'm sure that you two are well-meaning, but you're really not helping the process. In fact, I'd go so far as to say both of you, fate and destiny, are part of the problem with time. I don't understand what point you're trying to make, admitted fate. I'm really just asking you to fuck off for a bit and let us save the universe, Leslie shrugged. These guys will still be non-minorities next week if you still feel the need to come after them for having been born too fortunate. He's right, Destiny told her brother. Interfering isn't our way. Isn't it? Fate asked with confusion. No, we must remember. 
that we don't just represent the police or even the whole of the Chinese people. We represent the very nature of the universe. I thought you said we're Japanese. Really, brother? Is there a difference? She suggested with a kind pat on the shoulder. I'm beginning to question a lot of the things in my life. Is it just me, or am I beginning to get really depressed? Let's go home and get you an extra long lap dance. Destiny warmly suggested. Faint looked down sadly. Isn't it funny how when you're feeling depressed and borderline suicidal, the things that normally make you happy actually bub you out even more? Uh, that's not really funny at all, Pino said flatly. You just don't get it, Fate said with defeat. Then the duo left the others in bewilderment, looking amongst each other not sure if they had just been part of something profound, something warped, or something profoundly warped. Finally, Talabagina ended the awkwardness by awkwardly restarting his speech. My band of fellow acquaintances, I stand here before you firmly in place, just like me underwear are holding my unit firmly in place. Firm, but not constrictive. As you well know, others have held us back, called us fool-hearted, or called us even worse sometimes. Like, like the lady in the grocery store the other day who called me a privileged native of Earth. And while I do have a lot of things in my life to be thankful for, that doesn't mean that I've had an easy life, nor that my opinion should be immediately considered invalid just because... You didn't think that I had the right melanin to be worthy of pity. But we are not any of these things they call us. We are thoroughly adequate. Once we turn this system on, there's no going back. We will have started down a path with no exit ramps or condom dispensing machines. It will be a journey like none of us could possibly have anticipated in your most lucid dreams. So I ask you to stand with me now, downwind of the flatulence of history as we embark on the thankless but necessary task of saving the world that we have all come to accept with only minimal bitching. And trust me, this is no arcade game. There are no undos, redos, or extra lives. All there is is the present moment, right here, right now. The present moment, the present, is the gift we can give ourselves. The present is a present. So again I ask you, are you with me? There was a long silence until Penostash finally spoke up. What the hell are you talking about? I'll put a lot of work into that speech. Uh, not enough. Yeah, if anything, I'm feeling less motivated. Fine, everybody come back in an hour or so, I'll have a better speech ready. Denied! Leslie shouted. It's now or nothing! He dived over to the computer. Or should that have said dove over? Dove over sounds a bit weird. I'm sticking with the word leapt. As he leapt, he stretched out his paw for the return key. Unfortunately, his jump fell short, and instead he hit the command key, which did nothing. Funk, it's all the fault of these cursed paws. Is anyone else hungry? Count Dinkus asked the group. I could definitely go for some ethnic food that won't satiate me, but will make me seem more cultured and smelly. Would you stop thinking with your penis for once? Talabagina lashed out. I can't help it. I may be part of your band now, but I'm still a museum curator at heart. Peter was fed up. That does it. I'm starting the AI. Peter pushed his way to the computer and hit return. Suddenly, nothing happened. Everyone was in a figurative cone of silence with anticipation. But they got nothing. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, now I know how girls feel when they find out that their favorite boy band member is gay. Penostash said sympathetically. You feel horny? 
Lord Talabagina got irritated and gave the computer a kick. Suddenly, the machine came to artificial life. Hello. It said, welcoming itself into existence. I am Axis, your artificial intelligence, but my friends call me Moondy. Please stand by while I explode. What, say? Callie gasped, to which Dinkus nodded, apparently approving of the order of her words this time. The artificial intelligence wasn't bluffing, although it could if it wanted to. It was indeed about to explode, and everyone knew it on account of the high-pitched sound it was emitting that was growing in every direction a sound can grow. Deeper, louder, higher, and even smellier. Why the hell did you make an exploding AI? Peter demanded of Talabagina while diving for cover. Didn't I specifically say I didn't want a Muslim AI? It wasn't deliberate, ass splasher. The system blasted into a million pieces and then suddenly froze in place. The crew peeked out from hiding and looked with confusion at the shards of gems and the computer bits that were floating in place. What's going on? I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. It's as if the AI changed its mind about Musliming itself a moment too late. It's fucked, Dinkus said. That's the best description. It's fucked. Penalstash looked curiously to the group. Do you think it's okay to grab one of those little pieces of debris out of the air? Because I'm doing it. Penalstash grabbed a piece of debris and screamed. What is it? Actually, I don't care. You're a fucking idiot. It's hot. And I'm stuck to it. Suddenly, a sound started growing from the center of the explosion that sounded like a windstorm in reverse. Everyone duck for cover. Again, ordered Talabagina. Everyone except Pedostash did so, as the hapless mentor tried to get free of the shard. Someone hand me a machete so I can lop off my arm. Oh sure, I've got my handy dandy machete right here in my back pocket. Here. Count Dinkus cut Peter off while pulling a machete out of his coat pocket so he could also cut off Pedostash's hand. Dinkus ran up to Pedostash and held the machete over his head. Now stay still, I'm a horrible aim. Dinkus swung down the machete with full force, but suddenly the midair particles started flying inward to the center of the explosion, pulling Pedostash clear of the swing. While he was briefly relieved by this, Pedostash was just as quickly terrified about the fact that he was being sucked into a quickly growing black hole. Now, of course, all of this was happening within a very short amount of time, but time felt slower for Pedostash in this moment of terror. He suddenly had his first good idea and realized that the black hole didn't care much about the particles it sucked in so long as they were equal in mass. So he decided to do an Indiana Jones-style swap. He put his hand down the back of his pants and pulled out the butt plug he was concealing, then gracefully put it in front of himself. Just as planned, the black hole took the butt plug, allowing him to pull his hand free. He then ran for dear life, joining the team, as the remaining remnants collided and blasted apart, obliterating everything in the area, leaving behind only a mysterious gaping black vertical vortex. Which one of you morons told me that my butt plug wouldn't be useful? Pedostash asked as he got to his feet. The rest of the group stood up, but paid less attention to Pedostash than the vortex, which they gazed upon with awe. Have, Leslie cautiously began. Have we just ripped a hole in the very fabric of time itself? Depends what you mean by we, answered Talabagina. I blame that museum curator for this whole mess. That's Count Dinkus to you. Dinkus screamed at Talabagina. You know, guys, Peter observed while observing the black hole they accidentally created. I'm starting to think maybe we aren't qualified to be in charge of things like this. Agreed, Penostash agreed. In my opinion, we probably shouldn't go around blasting dimensional holes in the fabric of reality. In my opinion, why don't you shut the fuck up? And then, right then, 
A round green head popped out of the black hole. Is that black hole giving birth? Dinkus wondered aloud. The head of Teddy then fully emerged from the hole. Holy shit, guys. There is something on the other side of this black hole. Teddy scanned the confused faces that were looking at him. Looks like a bunch of confused humans and an even more confused cat. Teddy pulled himself out of the black hole. Who are you? And how the hell did you get here? Palavagina demanded. I'm kind of tired of getting asked that question, Teddy said, and then his two companions also leapt out of the black hole. Don't mind my traveling companion, Freddy answered. This is how it happened. And then Freddy went on to explain what we already knew from the previous chapter. 